everybody doing today? Good? Good? He's, Carson's going to turn my mic on in a minute. I have faith, and he's going to turn it up so you can hear me. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I'm so glad you guys are here today. Listen, if it is your first time here today, my name is Craig, and my wife Patty and I get the honor to pastor this amazing church every single day, and we love it, and thank you for being here. Speaking of being here, there's some people that are not here, so will you do me a favor? Put your hands together. Help me welcome everybody watching online, church online platform, Facebook, YouTube. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for staying socially distanced because you probably didn't take a shower yet this morning, so stay there. All right. Are you guys ready for this? You might not realize it, but we are neck deep in the holidays. Woo! Eat, drink, and be merry, right? It's just this is the time, and when there's holidays, and you know it as well as I do, even in the middle of a pandemic, in the holidays, family gets together, and they just talk a little bit more, and they spend a little bit more time together, and everybody knows that family time is amazing, those fabulous conversations, everything is full of joy and excitement. Everything is just fabulous and amazing, right? Those conversations over the table. Everybody just wants to hug everybody and, and, until you accidentally step on one of those verbal landmines. You know, like five years ago when Uncle Billy went through the change and now he goes by Aunt Bedwina and, and you step on that. Or... Or your sister, your younger sister, introduces her eighth husband to the family, and lucky for you, he used to go to school with your grandfather, right? You, you, you step in those situations and those situations, and once you, and you guys know this, in holiday situations, once anybody steps on one verbal landmine, it's like they just start going off all over the place, and your Christmas dinner turns into the 4th of July. <laughs> and it's just like, ah! And so we love, it's, family's this unique thing because we love family, we need family. God gave us family, right? I mean, the whole design is family. And then why is it that family is the one thing that can drive us quicker to insanity than anything else? Oh, come on. I know I'm not the only one here with a family, right? Um, family has a way of just pushing us to the edge, the precipice of disaster. And so this whole series, we're, that's what we're talking about. Eat, drink, and be merry. I want us to be able to genuinely get around the holidays and eat, drink, and be merry. M-E-R-R-Y, not just M-A-R-Y. Um, but it's good. So this is the way this series is going to look. We're looking at how to... End, <laughs> It's not just how to survive family, we're talking about how to enjoy family. And so next week we're going to talk about putting the fun back in dysfunction. We're going to talk about a dysfunctional family and what that looks like and how to actually put fun back in that. And then the week after that is our Christmas service, and so that's going to be fabulous. Um, that's December 20, 20, 21st, 20th, the 20th, right? December, whatever, the Sunday before Christmas. Um, we're going to do our Christmas service, it's going to be amazing, we've got a lot of cool, fun things planned. And um, then, let's see, and then after that, the Sunday after Christmas, the Sunday in between Christmas and New Year's, the 27th, we have a video service, and so that every, we won't be meeting in here, we won't be meeting in-house, we'll be only meeting online, and because uh, we want to give our amazing volunteers that have returned and worked so hard to pull service off, we want to give them a holiday as well. Don't, don't you love your volunteers, huh? That's kind of weak. Don't you love the volunteers that make this place happen? Yeah. And Carson, I never asked this, but can you turn me up a little bit more? I feel like I'm having to yell, and I don't want to have to yell. Nobody wants to have a guy yelling, right? 
make you go back to your Southern Baptist roots. Okay, so, so today, though, we're going to talk about this. We're going we're gonna to talk about um, the one thing that I think actually messes up families more than anything else, and we don't even realize it's there because some of us have gotten so used to this little sliver of dysfunction that we, we miss it, and it's this thing about manipulation manipulators, controllers and manipulators in the family, in, in relationships, in marriage. And so if you are a manipulator in the house or watching online, pull your toes in. If you are not, you are being manipulated, then take some notes because you can, you can eat, drink, and be merry when you get set free from this, okay? Now, I'm normally a storyteller, but I thought I would tell a joke. So... So here's your, here's, your, here's your preacher joke for the day. So you die and go to heaven, and you get to heaven, and you're outside the pearly gates, and you see, a, you see some lines, and you see a couple signs, and there's a sign over here that says, form a line here if you were manipulated and controlled by your wife. And there's like thousands of men in this line all the way back as far as the eye can see. And then over here, there's another sign that says, if you were not controlled or manipulated by your wife, form a line here. And there's one dude standing there. And St. Peter comes out of the pearly gates, and he, he, he looks, and he walks over to the one dude. He said, um, you do see that everybody else is over there. And the guy looks, he's like, yeah. And St. Peter says, then why are you standing here? He said, well, I don't know. This is where my wife told me to stand. So. If you're not laughing, you're a wife, and this message is for you. Okay, no, just kidding. Um, but we all, like guys or girls, we all have some manipulation stuff that's in us and in our families, and we get used to it, and we don't even realize it's there. And manipulation is in the Bible. In fact, it's all over the Bible. There's, there's some examples in your notes. There's uh, Jacob manipulated and controlled Esau to steal his birthright. You have two chicks, a mom and a daughter. It's a generational manipulation that manipulates King Herod. And then you have Samson and Delilah, and Delilah manipulates Samson. And if you remember the story of Samson and Delilah, Samson was this dude that he had the supernatural strength, and it was because he had a Nazarite vow. You can go back and read it in Judges. But anyway, just real quick, he kept that strength, but if he ever cut his hair, um, then he would uh, lose his strength. And so he gets married to Delilah, and Delilah seduces him, and she's for the enemy, and so she's always trying to find out what makes him so strong. And so she's constantly, constantly wearing him down, trying to figure it out. Look at this verse in Judges 16. Then Delilah pouted. I want, I want you to just feel this verse, okay? Especially if you are in a relationship with a significant other or married. But feel this verse. Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me you love me when, when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She, she tormented him with her nagging day after day after day after day after day at nagging day anybody with me after day after day until he was sick to death of it. I actually love the King James version of this because it says, <laughs> we need to bring this word back. The King James says, she vexed his soul. <laughs> how many know? So how many got somebody in their life that they vex you? Just 
How many brought them with you to church today? Yeah, there's just people in our lives, whether it's a husband, wife, brother, sister, friend, co-worker, across the board, there's usually somebody in our sphere of life that vexes us, that they nag us, that they manipulate us and control us. And so the deal today is I want to talk to us. I would just, this is a teaching message. I want us to learn how to deal with the manipulator in our life so that we can genuinely, and I mean genuinely, sit down at a, at a family dinner or whatever, even if they are a manipulator or controller, and how we can actually eat, drink, and have a good time. Anybody interested? Anybody want to learn something today? Eight of us, eight, eight, twelve. Okay, here we go. So here's just take notes. I'm telling you, take notes, man. This is this will this will help you. If not this week, then next holidays or whenever you marry that great loved one. All right. So here's the manipulator uses two great weapons all the time, and it's threats and guilt. Threats and guilt. I gave you some examples. They're in your notes. These are the threats. If you want to work here, you'll do this. See, it's always it's a threat. If you don't do this, I'm leaving you. If you don't tell me, I'm hanging up. If, or if you don't tell me, I'm going to stop texting you, or I'm going, to, I'm going to ghost you, or whatever. If you don't pay more attention to me, I'm taking you out of my will. Or if you don't pay more attention to me, I'm taking all your Christmas gifts back. If you don't pay more attention to me, I'm going to do this. If you don't do this, I'm going to do this. If you don't do this, you ain't getting any of that. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that, but come on. Anybody, anybody just, just nod with me, just... And the other side of that is true as well. I did this, so I should get some of that. Both sides. I'm actually seeing faces, and there's kids in the room, and they're looking at their parents going, what is this? What is he talking about? And the parents are going, don't go any further, Craig. Don't go any further. Don't go any further. Okay. So that, that's the threat. Okay, so and you, can, you can fill in the blank, your own threats. You know what those are. So here's the guilt, the guilt side of it. If you love me, you do what I ask. That's like Delilah and Samson. After all I've done for you, you won't do this one simple thing for me? Silent treatment. I, I'm not talking to I, how, how, Oh, don't raise your hand, but how many have experienced the silent treatment? I'm just not talking to you right now. Ah, you just did, right? So you had to tell me you weren't talking to me. Thought, I thought we were close, obviously, I can't count on you. Do you see how that's just like putting this guilt on you? Are you all smelling what I'm stepping in? I thought we were close. Obviously, I can't count on you. If you don't do this, you're not a good Christian. Then they bring spirituality into it, right? So now I feel guilty. Now I'm feeling guilty for not being a good Christian and all this stuff. If you don't meet my needs, I'll find another way to get them met. If you're not going to do this, then I'll, there's, other, there's other avenues to have my needs met. I'll go there. Guilt, threats. Okay, so how do we do this? All right, so that, that's just kind of the two weapons. Are you all still with me, right? These are the two weapons. So how do we break this stuff? How do we get past it? If we have somebody in our life, family, friends, coworkers, which I'm pretty sure every single one of us do, how do we move past this? Okay, three simple steps that are actually three very difficult things to walk out. But if you get on the other side of this, even down to the third one, and we'll get there eventually, when you get there, you realize this is going to take some serious work, but it's worth it. Because I'm telling you from somebody that's experienced it, there is freedom on the other side, and you enjoy life so much more. Okay, here's the first one. You got to recognize when someone is trying to control you. 
you got to recognize when somebody's trying to control you. Now, you might say right away, well, of course I would recognize that, Craig. You're just stupid. Actually, a lot of us don't recognize that we're being manipulated and controlled because it's how we were raised. And a lot of times our families, whether we like to admit it or not, whether we realize it or not, whether the home is a single family home or it's a uh, divorced, blended family, whatever, we get in certain situations where we are raised by manipulative and controlling people. Come on, I'm not parent-hating, but y'all just, some of you are shooting arrows back at me. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. We're just learning today. Some of us were raised by manipulative and controlling parents, okay? And we don't even realize it, and so we raise our kids just like we were raised. There's a thing in the Bible called a a generational curse, and what it's basically talking about is just saying, hey, if you don't change some things and bring Christ into your life and into your families, you are going to repeat the same thing that they did because it's how you were raised, and you don't even realize that that's how it is, and so all of a sudden now because you were raised that way with a manipulative or controlling person, now that's how you relate to other people, not just your spouse and your kids. It's just how, how you handle work. If you need something to get done with one of your coworkers, you threaten them or you put guilt on them or you do this passive aggressive thing instead of just being an upfront talking person, hey, I need you to do this or fix this. Y- y'all, y'all with me? And so we, you say, well, I would recognize if someone is manipulating and controlling. No, but for some of us, it's just normal. It's just normal. And so when I read through some of those threats and guilts, and I got another list here in just a second that I'm going to read, and you're going to say, well, ooh, well, my mom said that all the time. Oh, I said these things this week. Oh my, okay, and you're going to start, you have to recognize that it is possible that it's just how you were raised, and we got to change our thinking a little bit, okay? Look, Look at how this impacted Jesus and Peter. Peter and Jesus, Peter tries to manipulate Jesus, but how many know you can't manipulate the Son of God? I mean, he's Jesus, okay? Look at this, Matthew 16, 21, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. And he probably said it like that with a little quiver. Never, my Lord. This shall never happen to you. Now, a couple things here I want you to notice. Peter takes Jesus aside. A manipulator and controller always loses power in front of other people. Let this sink in for a second with some of your relationships. It'll always be a private email. It'll always be a, um, a phone call. It'll always be, if you're in a group setting or whatever, if they have something that has to happen right then, um, hey, can I talk to you for just a second over here? What's wrong with right here? Well, I just, I just want to share something with you. No, no, right here, bro, right? They always want to pull you aside. And the other thing is this. Peter did not mean ill will. Peter was not ugly, and he was not being Nancy negative or whatever, negative Nancy, to Jesus. He had good intentions, but what he was doing, and this is what manipulators and controllers try to do, it's not that they have a bad heart. They're just trying to impose their will on you. It's real quiet in here this morning. Peter was just saying, listen, Jesus, the life that you just laid out for yourself is not my plan for you. I need you to live the plan that I have for you. Maybe this message was just better in my head. I don't know. Are you all here this morning? Are you just thinking, just chewing on it, processing it a little bit? 
Um, look at this. How do you know if you're being manipulated? Some of you might still be questioning this. Okay, how do you know, Craig? Okay, um, whoever that person is, you can't say no to a certain person. You, you just can't say no to them. You, you struggle saying no. You always feel guilty. Meaning, you can't, I see this a lot in marriages. You can't go and have a good time. So let me, let me say this. Like, um, as a dude, you want to go hang out with your guy friends, but the, the wife makes you feel guilty for not spending more time with her. I'm just using some examples. Okay? Or the other side to it is true. Girls, you want to go spend time with your girlfriends and have a good time, and your husband's like, well, well, shouldn't you be here with me or with the kids? And they put guilt on you. Let me help out both sides. Listen. Ladies, guys in a marriage, guys need to go spend time with other men so they remember how to be men. I don't like that. You, 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 you loved him and got in a relationship with him because he was a man. Why do you keep trying to turn him into one of your girlfriends? Okay, now, the other side is just as true because ladies need to go hang out with their girlfriends. Dudes, you don't need to go get a pedicure with your wife. Send her with her girlfriends. Okay? You married her and fell in love with her because she was a smoking hot woman. Come on. Stop trying to turn her into your best friend. And when you do that and you're trying to hold on to what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, whichever, whichever shoe is on which foot, that's manipulation. That's control. Why are you making them feel guilty for going and hanging out with the friends that they hung out with while you were dating? They, we all, come on, we all need friends. Uh, always feel guilty. You feel ultimately responsible there's always this fear that you're letting this person down. Oh, they're going to be disappointed in me. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, my. And you're running around trying to always keep them happy. Um, you compromise your values to please others. And a lot of times this is in dating situations sexually, and, and you're compromising values to do different things. Um, okay, so you got to recognize, first step, you got to recognize that you are being manipulated and controlled. Okay, that's the first step. The second step so you have to recognize it, and the second step is you got to verbalize it. you got to verbalize it. They're going to put this on the screen, and we're going we're to say this together. This is what you say one way or the other. This is the wording we're going to use today. We're going to say this together. Ready? On the count of three, one, two, three. This is not going to work on me. Okay, you got Listen, if you say it like that, you lose, right? Put a little more, come on, put a little more into it. Ready? One, two, three. This is not going to work on me. Oh, come on, put some Frasier in it. Girl, that be manipulation. This ain't going to work on me. I mean, you just got to, this is not good. You have to verbalize. I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. I have something different in me. This might be how I've been raised, and this might be the relationship that you're used to, but girl, some things got to change. Might be three snaps in the, what is it, chicken neck or whatever. I don't know. But you got to tell them. You got to verbalize. You have to verbalize it. Look at what Jesus did. Back to Jesus and Peter. Matthew 6, 21. Jesus turned. So this is right after Peter said, you know, uh, do it my way. And Jesus tur turns to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. 
You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You have to verbalize it's not going this way anymore, Satan. Okay, don't call him Satan. That, would, that, would, that won't help matters at all. Um, but you have to verbalize it. Now, several years ago, several years ago, um, when we lived in Florida, and, and boy, you guys, will, you guys will understand this depending on how long you've been married. Um, it was several years in. It was the holiday season, well, leading up to the holiday season, and I got a phone call from my mom. Now, we lived in Florida. My mom lives in Michigan, and my in-laws live in Huntsville, Alabama, Okay. You guys know geography, right? You, you, you with me, okay? Back then with kids, we had all these kids. And so it's a, from where we were in Naples, Florida, it was a 10 to 12 hour drive to Huntsville. And then another 10 to 12 hours to Michigan. Are, are you with me? Got a call from mom. Same call I get every single holiday year. Got it again this year, but things are different now. But back then I would get the call and it was like, so are you coming home for Christmas? No, Mom, not this year. Um, you know, it's a long drive. Kids got to be here for church. I'm, oh. Well, where are you? Okay, now, I want you to listen to this. So where are you going to spend Christmas? Well, we're thinking about going to Patty's family, you know, because that's only 10 hours, 10 hour drive with the kids. Oh. And you can hear it in the O. Oh right? Come on, anybody with moms out there? Oh, really? Isn't that where you went last year? I was really hoping we could have a big family Christmas like we used to. Okay. Now, see, I want you, I want you to hear something. I love my mama. I love my mama. But what that was doing every single year was putting guilt on me that I did not need. Is this message just too real for everybody? Is that what this is? Because some of you are like, you moms are like, I made that call to my son this year, right? <laughs> what that did was put guilt on me that I didn't need. I was trying to make good decisions for my family and my kids, right? And so it came to that, this phone call, it came to that year where finally I just said I had to verbalize. I said, mom, this is putting undue guilt on me. Well, that's not what I meant. You're not listening. Mom. Our relationship has changed. I love you. I support you. I respect you. I honor you. However, I am no longer receiving this guilt. Was that a hard conversation? Heck yeah. But you know what it did? I verbalized, this is not going to work anymore. And can I tell you something? There's more freedom on the other side. I'm just telling you, there's more freedom on the other side. Because if you are allowing somebody and this is, the, this is the, everybody pull your toes, and this is this one, one might hurt a little bit. Because you might be saying, what's the big deal? The big deal is this. This is a huge warning. If you are allowing someone to continually manipulate or control you, and you recognize it, and you're just like, that's fine. It's just easier if I go through life this way. Fill in the blank. If someone else has control, you are committing the sin of idolatry. Let me explain. If you're allowing someone else to have control over your life and tell you how to live and walk, that is idolatry. Jesus said, God said, oh my Lord, several times, put no other gods before me. So once you accept Jesus Christ, now all of a sudden, I'm putting my life in his hands and I want God's control in my life, not my mom's. 
I want God's control in my life, not Patty, my wife. I'm not looking over there. It's a, it is a big, big deal. Um, okay, how many of you, let's, 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 let's make it a little bit easier to understand. How many of you remember junior high dances? Come on, think back. Some of you were like, that's a long way back. You remember junior? Okay, now I, didn't, I grew up in a home where, well, I grew up in a church where dancing was a sin, flat out a sin. If you went to a dance, it was a sin. They preached hard against premarital sex because they were scared premarital sex might lead to dancing, okay? That's, that's how I was raised. But every now and then, my parents actually got to go to two middle school dances. I got to go to two. It was like, whoo, I'm a sinner just for walking in that ugly gymnasium, right? But, and so you guys remember the, the eighth grade slow dance, right? My first time there, everybody, guys are on one side, girls are on the other, fast songs are playing, nobody's dancing. And I'm thinking, I got moves, man. I want to show my moves. I just followed everybody else. I can't show my moves. I just hold back. I knew river dance. I wanted to river dance. You know, just, I was all in, all in. But everybody's just standing. But then it's the slow dance, and then the merging happens, right? And I was like, hi, because I've never really been scared to talk to girls or whatever. I've been scared to talk to anybody. So I'd, I'd walk up, and I remember, man, her name was Karen. Karen. Her name was actually Karen. Okay, so I walked over. Hey, Karen, you want to dance? She's like, Sure. So we walk out there, and you guys all know, right? You all know the, the, the eighth grade dance mode, right? It's just. You want to see it from this angle? That's all you do. And you don't, you never pick up your feet because you're scared you're going to step on their toes, right? I mean, it's just in your mind. But the whole time I'm doing the eighth grade sway, I'm thinking, I got moves, man. I want to. Moves like Jagger and all that, you know, I just, all that stuff. I want, but I can't step on her toes, and nobody wants to be slow dancing to, like, heart or was it a Bon Jovi? No, whatever. Sway dancing, so that, and it's just all of a sudden break out and, right, step on her toes. It just got comfortable, and it got easy, and that's how manipulation is. We get in a relationship, and it could be for a long time, and we're just comfortable with the sway. We're in this dysfunctional family dance, not wanting to step on anybody's toes. The only way you will get out of the dysfunctional dance of manipulation is to step on somebody's toes. Sometimes you just gotta go river dance. <laughs> now when you do that, let me just say, they're gonna say ow and then slap you upside the head. Hopefully, proverbially, not in reality. But it's gonna hurt so it's, it's going to hurt, and you're going to feel the friction. You better be willing to defend yourself and stand on what you believe. If you're, but um, listen, you, if you think the dance is easier, sure, you can live that way if you want to, but you will never eat, drink, and be merry with your family because you are always just in this dysfunctional dance. There is freedom on the other side, and it is so joyful. It is so refreshing to have a relationship. And well, all of a sudden, I'm no longer that concerned about what they think about me. I am highly aware of what he thinks about me. And I live my life by what he wants me to do, not what anyone else wants me to do. And there is, I'm telling you, there is freedom in that. I really hope, hope you're listening. So the first one is what? 
the first point, I just threw that in there, sorry. The first thing is we need to recognize that it's happening. The second one is we, we got to verbalize it. You need to recognize it. You have to verbalize it. Is it going to step on their toes? Yeah, it is. I'm just going to be honest with you. It is. That thing with my mom, we've, we still have that one way or the other. We still have that conversation every year, okay? I have to continually step on toes and verbalize. But can I tell you something? It gets easier and easier and easier, and our relationship gets better and better and better. She used to complain that I was a minister because I could never come home for Christmas. Do you see the, the guilt? and the, do, do you see that? Now, on the phone, I'll say I can't because of here, church, you know, whatever. Now she says, I understand I'm so glad you're a man of God. Did it take years? Yeah, but I'm telling you, there's freedom. So now when I have that conversation, I've already done the work of step, going to Riverdance, right? Already done the work, already done, the, and now you get to enjoy the freedom. Do the work, and then here's the third thing. You have to redefine the relationship. Redefine the relationship. After Peter and Jesus have their little tift, right? And then Jesus, and then Peter denies Jesus three times, and then Jesus dies on the cross, resurrected on the third day. Peter actually is so discouraged because him and Jesus had this tift that we read, and then Peter denies Jesus three times. He's all broken up inside. He goes back to fishing. And then Jesus finds him on the beach and has a conversation with him. John 21, 16. Look at how this relationship has now changed. Again, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Wait, what does that mean, Craig? Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, if we're going to be in relationship together, you need to be doing what I'm telling you to do, not what other people are telling you to do. You, you need to be doing what I'm telling you to do, not pleasing everybody else. The Apostle Paul says that this way in Galatians 1.10, he said, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I am trying to please God. And man, take this last line to heart. If I were still trying to please people, if I was still allowing people to control me and manipulate me and I was more concerned about what they thought than anything else, I would not be Christ's servant. Now, before I close in prayer, let me talk to all of you are manipulators watching online or in-house you know you know I, I'm a manipulator I'm a controller and that's that's just how I roll um, the reason when you live your life that way here's what you're really doing you're trying to control every situation because you're living by fear because you think, you think. It's not that you have a bad heart. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you, you're living by fear and you think you have to control every situation. You have to control the outcome of all of your kids' lives. You have to control the outcome of your husband or your wife's life. You, ha you have to. And when things get out of control, like 2020, you could find out the manipulators and controllers real quick because they freaked out. They lost their mind because they lost control of what they had control or what they thought they had control of. If that's you, you gotta live by faith, not fear. Faith means I'm trusting you, God, to do as you do. I trust you. You can have faith or you can have control. You can't have both. Just can't have both.
such a choice on you. Can I pray for you guys? Some of you were like, please, just shut up and pray. This has been a rough one. Just, just shut up and pray. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your hand in our lives. And Lord, I just ask right now that those of us in this house or watching online that are, that are manipulators, that are controllers, and we know that. We, we, maybe we're a control freak and we, we make jokes about it. Well, I'm just OCD. No, you're a control freak. Father, I, ask, I just ask right now that you show us that we don't do well being in control, that that's not us. That's, that's the hardest road possible, hardest road possible. So, Father, today, every manipulator, every controller, we, we give control to you this morning. If that's you, whether in-house or watching online, just take a minute and just mentally just recognize yourself turning control over to him. Lord, we want to live by faith, not by fear. We don't do well in control. We trust you. We trust you with our kids. We trust you with our marriage. We trust you with our job. We trust you. We trust you. And that means even when things aren't going like we want them to go, we still believe that you have our best interest at heart. Now, Lord, I ask for those of us that have been manipulated or are being manipulated or controlled and we're struggling, we're struggling. We, we see that we're locked in this dysfunctional dance. Father, I ask that you give us the courage to step forward. Give us the courage to step out of sync with that relationship with enough tenacity to see it through because we want the freedom on the other side. You said that you've already unlocked the prison door that we're in, it's open. And now Lord, give us the strength to walk out of it to live in freedom, to follow you, and to give you complete control of our lives. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, listen, if that, if that kind of messed with you or anything, whatever, there's people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you and connect with you. And I'm telling you right now, prayer is a powerful key that can unlock everything. Let somebody come, just come down front and let somebody pray with you and minister to you that way. All right. Stand with me, if you will. And while you're standing, let me remind you that if you want to go to Plugged In, Plugged In is immediately after this service in the chapel. You just go out here and turn to your left and it's right up the ramp and you'll see a sign for it. And Plugged In is where you get on a volunteer team. You get connected to the church. You find out who we are, what we believe. So if you've been coming for a while, this is your day. If you've been coming for five minutes, this is still your day. And it's just during the next service so you, you won't miss anything. It's just like a full day of fun in the clouds. Okay? So there you go. All right. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Before I pray the benediction, make sure you exit to your right, please. That will make things a whole lot easier. Heavenly Father, right now, we just ask that the words of our mouth, the meditations in our heart, Lord, that they'll be acceptable in your sight. You're our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, y'all. Love you.